You're listening to Redemption City Church. For more information, check us out at redemptioncitychurch.com. doing today good that's awesome um man what a absolute privilege as everyone who stands in my place says to be up here um this uh would actually be my first time preaching which is pretty awesome and i'm really stoked about it and i'm actually even more stoked at the fact that tk asked me to do this before i turned 30 years old which is in like 10 days because now i get to say i've been preaching in since my 20s which is awesome (laughs) and uh That doesn't come without uh, a little bit of stress here as my wisdom stripes are now starting to come in, (laughs) which is awesome. Um, So I have a a pretty cool and quite intense topic to talk about today. Uh, I want to talk about becoming a student of the Lord and what that actually means. But I also want to give you a little bit of background of the man that kind of stands up here before you today. Um, I am happily married to a beautiful woman that is back there, Samantha. She's got carrying my one-year-old daughter, Jordan. Um, Such a blessing. We're actually expecting another girl here in, I don't know, 30 days or so-ish. So she is getting ready to pop, and I'm uh, getting ready for, you know, all the women in the home. So (laughs) we're preparing. But um, just what an amazing journey. Just as Tim was saying, we've been here for just over a year now, and we found ourselves coming out here Um, from time to time to try to, you know, pray over their decision to move out here. Um, So a little bit about us and our journey. Um, We actually come from a little NCMI church back in Arizona that has since closed the doors. It was called Ephesus Church, and the church was really just such an amazing church, uh, full of the Holy Spirit, very small church, but uh, you couldn't deny the fact that the Spirit was there, that the Spirit was moving amongst the people. It was led by uh, uh, great friends of ours, Marco and Andrea Triano, and uh, if you don't know them, um, if you ever get the chance to see them at an equip or anywhere, I would get the chance to know them. But great little church, but it has since closed its doors, and uh, since the church has closed its doors, um, Sam and I unfortunately found ourselves um, in the season of the wilderness. It was no no coincidence that we were out in the desert Um, at that time in Arizona. We've been out there for like seven years, a part of that church, and uh, it it was a strange time. When a church closed the doors, um, you find yourself not really knowing what to do, in the sense. You're trying to find yourself um, looking for the next step, and uh, unfortunately, we kind of lost our way in that little bit of a season. Um, We found ourselves in this wilderness pattern, not really hearing from the Lord, not really trying to figure out, like, where is it that we're going to go from here? What is it that the Lord wants from us? And we kind of got up in this, this like, dry spell of, like, oh, God, like, we can't hear from you. We don't know what's going on. Like, what was our next step? So what we found ourselves doing is hop, hop like a rabbit to church, to church, to church. And, gosh, that really blew. I'll tell you that much. So weird. We went to, like, this mega church, and we went to this really, I don't know, very weird times. But that's besides the point. Um, the point I'm making is... is has anyone here ever been in a dry season? I'm sure, yeah, we've all have. And um, that's where we found ourselves, and it, it, it just really, it was hard. And um, I'm just here to tell you, we found ourselves finally buckling down, and we were like, okay, God, what is it that you're going to do? What are we going to do? Um, so 
Sam and I decided to go to the Equip the following year, and uh, TK and Sandy were there at the Equip, and gosh, they are just a breath of fresh air, those two. Um, TK, you know, it wasn't a coincidence, it was weird that um, Sam was four weeks pregnant at the time that we went to that Equip, and nobody knew that at all. And TK, one of the first things he said to me, he says, hey, buddy, um, <laughs> like, Colorado's a good place to raise a family. I'm like, what? <laughs> So, uh, yeah, talk about prophetic. Um, so I was just like, okay, yes, we'll, uh, we'll definitely pray over that. Which one? Hey, buddy. <laughs> yeah, you know, good old TK. Um, so we found ourselves um, open to the idea. We're like, God, is this, is this what you're calling us to? Is this where we're going to end up? And uh, so we prayed for a little bit. We went back home, and uh, we found ourselves, you know, booking a plane ticket. We came out here and uh, we got to know some of the faces out here before we even moved. And it was just an amazing time just to come here, see how this church functioned, just to see how the Lord was moving in this place. And it was just amazing. And I just want to thank you guys also for just welcoming us with open arms. Um, it couldn't have been better timing for us and just how everything worked out. And um, I'm not going to get too much into detail. If you'd like to know more about our story, we'd be happy to do coffee or something another time. But I just want to pray for anyone right now. I felt as I was praying for this morning that the Lord um, told me that there's people that are in a dry season right now. Um, there's people here that are kind of just in the mundane, going to church every Sunday, not really fitting in, not knowing what's going on. And um, they just want to hear from the Lord. But they feel like the only way to do that is just to force themselves into these situations, coming to church and mingling amongst the people and raising their hands during worship. And I just want to tell you that that's not God's plan for you. If it wasn't his plan for me, as we were sitting there desperately trying to figure out what we were going to do, why is it that God will do something with me and not with you? Anybody who's out there, God is God and he has a purpose. He didn't make human beings for us to just sit around and, you know, sit in sorrow and think he has no plan, but he has a plan. So I just want to, I want to pray for anybody. And I, I'd like to have a time of ministry if we, if we have time at the end. Um, to pray for anybody who may be in this season. But really quick, uh, if we could just bow our heads. And uh, Lord Jesus, I just thank you. Thank you so much for this church. Thank you for the people. Thank you for the loving arms that these people offer in this place, God. I just pray that if anyone out here amongst this crowd and even anyone who could make it today um, feel that they're in a season where they can't feel you, feel that they're just lost out at sea or in the desert. God, I pray that you touch them right now. Father, I pray that you put purpose, uh, you give them grace and, and joy, just restore joy over their lives, Father. Um, Father, we just thank you, and in your name we pray. Amen. All right, so I wanted to talk to you about becoming a student. So I have two verses that I picked out that kind of align with what I want to talk about today. So if you have your Bibles, if you want to go ahead and take those out, I'm going to be reading from 1 Corinthians 2.12.16, and then I'm going to be reading from 2 Timothy 2.15. All right, I'll give you just a second to get there. All right. So... The 1 Corinthians 2, 12, 16, uh, I'm reading from the NLT currently, um, and it says, and we have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit, so, when, so we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. 
When we tell you these things, we do not use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak words given to us by the Spirit, using the Spirit's words to explain spiritual truths. But people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's Spirit. It all sounds foolish to them, and they can't understand it, for only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. Those who are spiritual can evaluate all, all things, but they themselves cannot be evaluated by others. For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to teach him? But we understand these things, for we have the mind of Christ. And that last part, like, I mean, that whole thing is amazing, but that last part, for we have the mind of Christ, I think that's just amazing. All right, I'm going to go ahead and jump over to 2 Timothy 2.15. I'm going to do something really bold today. I'm going to read from the King James Version. I know. Ouch. So be prepared. So uh, this really stuck out to me. Um, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. I'm going to say that one more time. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So in English, I put that down just in case. I got the NLT version here for you guys. Work hard so you can present yourself to God and receive his approval. Be a good worker, one who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly explains the word of truth. And that again is 2 Timothy 2.15 NLT. So today, that that idea of becoming a student, um, I kind of want to preach about uh, a student versus a scavenger. A student versus a scavenger. Now, you're probably wondering what that kind of is. When you think of a scavenger, you think of someone going around scavenging for old dead carcass and all that kind of stuff. But it kind of it relates to that idea. Um, so when I was a kid, um, my parents, I'm not going to get into a whole uh, testimony here, but I, my parents got divorced, and I found myself flipping schools a lot, switching schools, switching schools, and... Uh, it was just such a hard thing. When you're a kid, like going to a new school or even just going to a new grade, you know what that means? It means, okay, now I got to learn uh, how to make new friends. I got to learn how to sit by somebody in the cafeteria. I got to make sure no one steals my snack pack. I got to make sure, you know, everything is in place. And uh, it just really, it, it stunk because as a kid, you're like, when you settle in somewhere, you're just so like happy. You have friends, you have everything cut out for you. Um, but unfortunately for me, I found myself having to switch schools quite a bit due to divorce. And um, um, I just remember this, this memory of getting ready to go to this new school with my mom. Um, I'm in the back seat, and I got my backpack and everything, my new school supplies. I'm all ready to go. And I'm in the back seat, and I'm like this, you know, you know I'm all pouty because I don't want to go to this new school. I don't want to make new friends. I'm like, what's wrong with my old friends? What's wrong with all this other stuff? I didn't understand a lot when I was a kid. But... The one thing that I'll always remember, and I didn't even think about it like as a kid because you don't think about that stuff. Um, I just remember the look my mother gave me in the rearview mirror of the car as she saw me like as my heart was like breaking. I didn't want to go to the school. I didn't want to do this anymore. Keep switching. My mom just had this look of like just almost a heart was breaking for, for me. She, she looked as though if she could, she would switch places with me in a heartbeat so that I would not have to go through this whole process of making new friends, um, learning just the school system, all that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, that look just kind of stood out to me today because as I was preparing this, because 
I just realized that, like, if, you know, if it were possible as a kid, I would love my mom to do that, you know. Why would I want to go to school? She can do all the good stuff for me, and I, I could just stay home. But I realized if she would have done any of that for me, it probably would have just robbed me of a life experience that God had planned for me at that time. Even as a kid, God works in you from day one until this point in time. And uh, as a kid, just because I didn't realize it then didn't mean that um, I shouldn't have gone through that experience. And so I can be happy to say that I'm glad that she didn't uh, do that. And, you know, as a parent today, I just think about, like, it's the same for me. I mean, I'm kind of learning. Jordan's not in school yet, but I just realized that um, when I drop her off at daycare, which is probably the only two-hour piece, you know, Sam and I get for you know, two hours at the rec center, we go and work out together, which is awesome. But the thing is, we're all like, wow, we're so excited to go. We're like, we're going to drop Jordan off and it's going to be great. And then Jordan does this, you know, you place her down. She's like, (laughs) and then Sam and I are like, oh, we can't go now. You know, we can't go. But then, you know, if we don't leave, we'll be robbing her of that life experience of getting to know other kids and doing all that kind of stuff. So I just find it funny how the, the tables have turned. But, um, so also, um, that being said, uh, talking about school and switching schools, um, I was never uh, an overachiever at school. Um, I'll, I'll say that confidently. <laughs> <laughs> From day one, oh my gosh, I've been in principal's offices. I never made the grade per se, but um, I'm glad I got it done. I'll put it that way. But I always came home after school, and uh, first thing I would do is rip in the door, and I'd throw my backpack on the floor, and I'd run outside, and I'd be like, you know, you know, screw homework. I don't want to do this. And my mom would always get so frustrated with me. She's like, do you have homework? Do you have something to do? And I'm like, yes, I have to go outside. Yes, I have to go. And um, she'd be like, well, if you don't get your homework done, like, don't, you won't graduate. And I said, don't you want to graduate, my mom would say. And I'm like, yes, I want to graduate, but I just don't want to go to school. I just don't want to go to school. And uh, I look back at that today and I realize how profound that is. Like, what a world like we live in today. Like, I was a prime example of that, you know, even as a kid, that we live in a world where we want, you know, the accreditation, we want the accolades, we want the benefits of working hard, but we don't want to put in the work uh, to do it. You know, we want to walk down the graduation aisle and we want our picture snap, but we don't want to put in the work to do that as well. We want someone else to do it for us. We want all this magic stuff to happen for us, but we want to, we don't want to do it for ourselves. And um, I just think in a generation like that, it's just a dangerous place to be. And um, that's why I want to talk to you today about um, a student versus a scavenger. And I want to give you two definitions here of a student versus a scavenger. Now, they're not like uh, Merriam-Webster Definitions. They're just something that I kind of came up with, so don't be looking or nitpicking me later for this. All right, so a student, if you guys are taking notes, someone who is able to remember and apply scripture practically to daily life, not just someone who tries to memorize. One more time, someone who is able to remember and apply scripture practically to daily life, not just someone who tries to memorize. And uh, I'll come back to that a little bit later because we're going to head right into the scavenger definition. Um, Scavenger, someone who searches for words anywhere they can find them, regardless of the source. Someone who searches for words anywhere they can find them, regardless of the source. Um, That just really stuck out to me. Sam and I have talked about this kind of a while ago, but... um, what I say, what I mean by words is anyone just accepts a word. Like, 
Someone comes in and says, hey, you're supposed to marry that guy. No. And someone else says, no, you're not supposed to marry that person. You're supposed to accept that job. No, you're not supposed to accept that job. You're getting words from all these different sources, books, social media sites, horoscopes, everything you can think of. But there's one thing you're not doing. You're not looking to the source, the foundation of the real word where you should be getting it from. And that's God. That's the Bible. God, he has it written for us. The word, the only word that we'll ever need. But yet we're, we're scrounging and we're trying to find these words of affirmation. Like we're so tied up in what other people think, we forget to stop and like, God, like what, what do you think? What is it that you have? And it's just such a dangerous relationship to have with God to say, yes, Lord, but to really mean, Lord, I, I need to look to your people for what I need. And we don't, that's just a no-no. So I got three truths of a scavenger. So I got three little points. I'm going to try to nail everything in my thing here today, but I like to babble. Just ask my wife, so we'll, we'll figure it out. But So point number one, three truths of a scavenger. A scavenger searches for words but never looks to the actual source. A scavenger searches for words but never looks to the actual source. So that kind of plays off the definition I just told you. But people will, you know, they, they church hop, they go to different conferences, they read different books. The one book that they forget to pick up is the Bible, and they're just hoping, hoping for this affirmation. Everything is based off emotion, and uh, they're just looking and looking and scrounging and scrounging, and it's just, it's such a hard place to be, and it breaks God's heart because God has created you with, for relationship with him, and uh, to be scrounging for this words, he's like, my son, my daughter, like, what, what are you doing? What are you doing? Like God literally sent Jesus. He got nailed to the cross and that veil tore down in half so that we can have relationship with him. But yet I'm still looking for affirmation from, from who? From who, you know? And um, that's once again a, a no-no. So I got a little story um, of myself actually. I, the reason this is so such a, a thing for me is because I, uh, when we were back in that little church in Arizona, there was this great couple that came out. Um, they were known to be very prophetic in nature and uh, had a great gift of prof prophecy. And I didn't realize that I was a scavenger at one point, um, a pretty bad one. These people were coming in and I'm like, oh Lord, I'm so ready, Lord, I'm ready to hear you and blah, blah, blah. And, but here I was like, these people came in and they, they were preaching and then they had words for like literally everyone in the church except for me. So what did I do? I got depressed. I was so mad. I was literally like a little kid on the floor throwing tantrums, like trying to like maybe look under seats. Is there a word under there? Is there a word under there for me? Like I wasn't relying on God. I was relying on these people's, you know, hopefully words for me. And that's, that's just not a place we want to be. Like, it's just, it's hard because, you know, we want affirmation from God. We're not, we're not willing to sit down and look to God himself. We're willing to sit down and look to people. And um, I just found that to be uh, just, it, it's hard. And it's sobering, though, too, when you realize that you're looking to man instead of God for your words. So, um, truth number two, or point number two of the scavenger. A scavenger never truly settles in the word of God. Because um, they never allowed the Holy Spirit to settle in them. A scavenger never truly settles in the word of God because they never allowed the Holy Spirit to settle in them. 
And I kind of opened up with that Corinthians verse. Um, you remember it, it was talking about how God imparts the Holy Spirit onto us so that we are able um, to be able to discern what's God and what's not. What is God and what is not. And I feel like in today's world that we are, we are okay with God the Father because he represents authority up there in heaven. We're okay with Jesus because he came down uh, onto earth as the perfect humanitarian that was just for the people. We love that idea and we love Jesus and he was, he was perfect. But what we're not okay with is the Holy Spirit. We totally turn that and we twist it into something that it's not. The thing is, uh, God gave us the Holy Spirit in order to discern, to, to learn new things, to have new revelations. And yet, we as people, we make it weird. We want nothing to do with it. I find that like you, people will always blame the Holy Spirit for something that happened in their life. Um, they go to a church. They had a bad experience at this church. Um, so what do they say? Well, I, I'm not going to do that. I don't want anything to do with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's weird. But the truth is, the Holy Spirit's not weird. People are weird. And uh, the thing is, God has, we, we can't just accept God, or, um, God and Jesus and not the Holy Spirit. We serve a triune God. And some people seem to forget about that. That's, um, it, it's super important. We, we can't just say, God, I'll take these two parts and then you can just scrap the other one, the Holy Spirit. Too weird for me. I, I can't do that. And um, I just think it's important to remember that if we are meant to be following God, God, like I said earlier, died and parted the Holy Spirit into us so that he may lead us and he may guide us. Well, the Holy Spirit, we're not going to be hearing from the Lord unless he wants to audibly come down and tell you to accept that Holy Spirit. So, um, so just be wary of that. The, the Holy Spirit's not weird. We just make it weird. Um, truth number three of the scavenger. A scavenger doesn't discover the true depths of our Father in heaven and ends up drowning in the storm. A scavenger doesn't discover the true depths of our Father in heaven and ends up drowning in the storm. So this speaks to this idea of revelation. I... Um, I I have to believe, we have to believe that nobody can understand God fully apart from Jesus. We as humans cannot understand the, the fullness of God apart from Jesus, but that amazing word revelation lets us do just that. Not understand him fully, but yet it gives us revelation in what to God is. So that means when we get revelation, we, we never dismiss um, a sermon, we never dismiss a time to worship, we never dismiss a Bible verse that we read just because we've read that Bible verse a thousand times just because we've heard that worship song a thousand times. That's the greatest thing about the Holy Spirit and Revelation is God can take that verse, that, that song you listen to, anything, that sermon, that preacher who's preaching, and he can reveal something new and great in that time to you. And I think that's just so important to remember. As you think you're going through the mundane and you've heard it all before, uh, God says, no, you have not. Believe that. Woo. Yeah. So... Speaking of Revelation, I wanted to go off this story. Um, you all know that story of Jesus walking on the water, correct? And we all know that uh, Peter also did it as well. And um, I think this, uh, if anyone wants to turn there, Matthew 14, 22 through 31. I have the NIV version, but um, this for me was a big, uh, a big truth in Revelation here. Like, uh, we don't... Let me just read it here for a second. So Peter, um, Peter's on this boat with the disciples. There's a big storm. 
kind of brewing in the background. The boat kind of gets pushed off out of shore. And Jesus is coming out of a place of uh, solitude. You know, he, he went out to pray and he's like, oh, I'm going to go, you know, I'm going to go meet up with the homies again. I'm going to go hang out with the disciples. And so Jesus um, walks on the water to get over to the boat. And all of a sudden the, the disciples freak out and they're like, oh, it's a ghost, it's a ghost. And Peter was the one who shot up and he was like, he's like, Lord, if this is you, uh, let me come out to you. And Jesus just said one word, come. And what I love about Jesus is that he doesn't need to speak a whole, a whole sermon for you to, to acknowledge what he's trying to say, but he says, come. So what does Peter do? He, he acknowledges that it's the Lord and he, try, he steps into the water. But I think it's important to note in that time, before Jesus steps, or uh, before Peter steps into the water, that um, he's about to view God in a new light. Um, Jesus is going to look 100% different on the boat than off the boat in the water. What that means is Jesus, it's going to be totally different for Peter. He's going to have this revelation. Uh, it's totally different when you're sitting in the miracle or you're waiting for the miracle and then the miracle actually happens. So Peter, uh, not knowing that he's going to get a new revelation of God, he steps off this boat and it's just amazing. This miracle's happening. Peter's walking on water and like we don't know how long he spent in that time with Jesus we don't but all I know is that it doesn't matter he was walking on water Jesus proved himself once again to be who he says he is and um, so Peter's you know he's sitting there and then all of a sudden um, the waves start come crashing up on Peter's legs they start to smash him and Peter starts to lose his his focus on Jesus and what happens when we lose our focus on Jesus we, we drown. And that's exactly what happened with Peter in that time. Peter lost his focus. He, he just noticed, oh, the storm's coming. Um, this, this miraculous revelation that he just had is now going away because um, the enemy loves to do that. The enemy, anytime we get a new revelation from God, the enemy sweeps in and he tries to drown us in that. And I believe that's what was going on with Peter. He has this great new revelation of the Lord. I'm walking in water. I'm going to be with Jesus. And he drowns because the enemy comes in and he reminds him, there's a storm uh, waiting to, to drown you. And, uh, you know, he's just questioning all of that. And um, so I just imagine in this moment, I, you know, I was speaking to Sam about this yesterday. But if I were there with a camera crew, like just watching all of this happen, I just imagine this conversation with Jesus and Peter. Um, Peter's in the water, and Peter's like, oh, Lord, you got to save me. Help me. I'm drowning. And the Lord says, Peter, if you just kept your eyes on me, you're going to be fine. You, know, you can walk again. And Peter says, you don't understand. I'm just a man. I can't walk on water. And Jesus is saying, my son, just, just listen to me. Listen. If you just keep your, your eyes focused on me, we can do this. You can do this. And then Peter, you know, being in our human interest, uh, would, would say to him, Lord, you just don't understand. This is liquid. This is water. Science says that I cannot walk on this water. And Jesus says, my son, I understand that this is water. I understand that this is liquid, but my word is solid. And when you walk with me on my word, you will never drown again. You find your, your footing. So when Jesus says to walk, we walk. When Jesus says to step out, we step out. And the thing is, it doesn't matter. It might not make sense for where you are in your life right now. It might not make sense for your five-year plan for your business. It might not make sense for your finances, your children, anything that it, going on in your life. But all I know is that in that moment when Peter um, doubted Jesus, he drowned. But when he wasn't, when he was focused, everything 
um, was okay. And I think that's what we need to learn from this. No matter the season, no matter what we're going on, what's going on, God is God. And he's not going to let you drown. The only person that's going to let you drown is yourself and the enemy. If we stay focused on God, that will never happen to us. So, thing is with two, another point I wanted to make with the whole drowning, um, James kind of warns us of being double-minded. James says a double-minded man um, is like the sea. We just, whoosh, we wish and wash, and uh, God does not approve of that. The, basically, what he's saying is we are set on God here, then something in our life happens, and we're like, no, no, God, I changed my mind. So it's very circumstantial for us. We, we learn to take our eyes off of God when things get tough. And that's the thing. We, we have to keep moving. We have to know that God will always have his hand out ready to help us walk on water whenever uh, we need to. Um, so that being said, that's what I wanted to talk about with the scavenger. Um, just given some time, I'm going to try to burst through the three truths of a student. Three truths of a student. So truth number one, or point number one, a student studies the word. The student knows a test is coming, uh, and we stay ready. So most of you know or don't know, I don't know, um, I'm a paramedic, and I just can't, can you imagine um, me not being ready to come to your house? Like, if I was just some slob that just, like, you know, sat at my station, never studied a, a wink, and just ate potato chips, and then came to your house, and, you know, a family member of yours is hurt, and all of a sudden, and I'm just like, I don't know. I don't know what to do. You wouldn't want that. You, you would not want that. You know, that's, so I, what I do is in order to make myself better, I study. And that's the thing. I, I don't want this pulled out of context, but the thing is, I want to go back to that verse I read earlier. Um, this is what it had to do with. In 2 Timothy 2.15, study to show thyself approved. And what we're saying here is God's not saying, oh, you know, if you know this many verses, you're going to get this mansion in heaven. So recite the 15 verses you know. What God is saying is if you have these verses, if you know my word, you have it implanted in your heart, then you're going to be able to pull that stuff right out of your pocket. When Satan comes to drive you away or life comes or the storm comes, you're going to pull that out and say, no, this, it's written already. I have it here. You know, I learned something and I have it implanted and I take God at his word. So I, I just think that's important. We study not to, to, to make the grade with God, but we study so that it can it save our lives, essentially. Truth number two of the student. A student allows the word to study them. The student allows the word to study them. So this is not like you waking up every single morning and, uh, you know, just open up your Bible, going through the motions, but... This is you waking up every single morning, opening your Bible, and allowing that word to transform you. It's not like we're reading, you know, uh, Dr. Seuss or Cat in the Hat. You know what I mean? When you open your, your, your Bible, that's life-changing words in that Bible. That is life. So we open our Bible, and we should allow the word to, to, to pour into us, to change us. Um, I think the thing is, a lot of the times when we read the word in Scripture, we, we are just afraid that God's going to come in and change the very being. He's going to clean out the, the dirt that's in our closet that we don't want him to see. But as a good student, that's something that we want. We can't carry on in life and saying, giving some portions of ourselves to God and the other portion we keep for ourselves because we think that God can't see it for some reason. But he sees it all. So um, 
it's just important that we allow the word to come in and change us. Let the Holy Spirit come in and just take a hold of your heart and just change the things that are going on. And that happens by reading the word and allowing God to speak to you through that word. So number three, a student is able to withstand the storms because they are being washed daily in the word. Yeah, a student is able to withstand the storms because they are being washed daily in the word. Um, I think I have a very good example of when Jesus had just got um, getting done getting baptized, he was sent out into the desert um, for 40 days and 40 nights, and we're all very aware of that full story, but there was a very significant part where, you know, Jesus was a student of God in this time. This is a time where he relied heavily on the Lord. Um, so I'm going to read to you real quick from Matthew 4, 3, or yeah, 4, 3 through 4. So it says, the tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, and I just want to pause there for a second. If you are the son of God, isn't the enemy so perfect at doing that? He even tried to do that to Jesus, and he knew exactly who Jesus was. The enemy comes in, if you are, always questioning, trying to question, make you question your identity. Just like with Adam and Eve, he's like, uh, you know, are you supposed to eat from that tree? Or who says you can't do that? And who says? So the enemy's constantly coming in, trying to misconstrue or screw up what God is saying. And um, Jesus was not having any of that. So the enemy says, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answers, it is written. And if that's not one of the greatest clapbacks in history to the enemy, I think it's amazing. It is written. And what Jesus is doing, he's about to preach something that's not new, because we know every time Jesus speaks, it's scripture. But what he does here is he preaches something that's old. He tells the enemy that something that was written already in the Old Testament. He says, man shall not live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. And that, that was written already. He, he realized he doesn't need something um, new. He can just go old. Do you know why? Because God's word's foundational. God's word's there. It, it, it's there for us to pull out every time that the enemy's there to try to stomp on our feet. He tried to do that to Jesus, but Jesus said, it is written. It is written. And uh, he could not be straight away. You know why? Because student, or Jesus was a student of God, and he was not swayed by anything that the enemy had to say. Um, I, I just think it's important that we know that every time the enemy tries to question our identity, that we know that we have that identity in God, that God has us. Uh, God has released us from those chains that um, we don't have to worry about these things anymore. We don't have to be in bondage anymore. We don't have to have these things weighing over our life anymore. God has says it is finished, and we have a full Bible of words from the Lord himself that's saying it, it's already written. So we, we have it. We have it there. And um, so that, for me, is just stuff that's just been weighing uh, on my heart uh, as of late. I just think it's so important as, uh, you know, this walk with Christ that we have, we have to learn to become students of Christ. And uh, like I said, it's not about making that great, but it is about knowing everything that Christ has for you, what Christ has done for you, and what he's going to continue to do for you in your life. And uh, I just want to encourage anybody um, out there who is going through, like I said, that wilderness season or is kind of feeling, I don't want to call you a scavenger, but if the shoe fits anyone today, that if you guys need prayer for any reason at all, I, I just want to point out that 
God is here right now, and God is waiting for you. Don't, don't sit in your seat and think that, like, God can't meet you here today, that God is not here, and that you have to be scared. I'll be honest with you, um, I just about pooped my pants this morning about coming up here. I'm not really the best speaker uh, in life. I mean, that's okay, but like I told them, practice makes perfect. And the thing is, I know that uh, God has called me, and I'm here, and I'm doing it, and I stepped out in faith. And that's the thing that matters. And... Uh, um, and anyone else who wants to pray as well so I'm just telling you guys please don't be shy we're just going to take this moment to worship and uh, we're just going to be available for uh, to pray for anybody who needs it so please step out in faith today guys and don't, don't let the enemy tell you no um, I'm just going to pray for you guys real quick as a whole as we close out this service I want to say thank you guys for coming in today and uh, Thanks for listening to my, uh, my preach. And uh, Lord Jesus, we just thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you for everything that you stand for. Thank you for everything that you've done. Thank you that you tore the veil so that we can have relationship with you, God. That we don't have to scavenge around the floor for words, but yet you've given us a word. You've given us new life. You've given us a breath of fresh air, God. You have saved our very lives, Father, for such a time as this. And Father, you are calling us out of the wilderness and into something more. So I pray that every person in this room feel, God, that they can step out in faith, they can step out with boldness, and they can step out knowing that Jesus Christ has their back, Father. So Father, I pray for every person in this room. I just say that you touch them, you bless them, you let them know the joy that you feel for them, Father. And Father, we thank you. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen.